The following is a teaching podcast from High Beam Ministry. I'm teaching my congregation on how Jesus dealt with demon spirits because 25% of the ministry of Jesus Christ was involved with casting out demon spirits. Jesus sent no one out to preach the gospel without giving them power over demonic spirits. That's something very few preachers know and don't want to preach Mm. because while the average church member doesn't want to admit it, the devil or his representatives go to your church every Sunday. You better know how to take authority over him. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H I G H B E A M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Hey, amazing Larry. Welcome to our Friday Bible study. Oh, you're looking a little shaken up today. What's going on? Well, I just have had, you know, I've been going over the notes that I've been taking, of course, when we've been talking about demons. And I'm just not sure. I mean, holy cow, Truth Barista, this is really, really uh, information that I have not really had opportunity to look into before because in the church I go to, to be quite honest, we don't talk about demons. I mean, we just don't. We just we talk about evil things in society, but we don't talk about the person of a demon that that spirit can influence us in a wicked and evil way. And I, all of a sudden, it hit me head on. Yep. Well, you know, we talk a lot about theology. Churches talk about soteriology, which is the theology of salvation. You know, what does salvation mean? But they don't teach a lot on demonology. They don't teach on angelology, the study of angels or the study of demons. And a lot of churches don't do things like Israelology, the study of Israel. So there's a lot of ologies out there regarding the Bible that we don't dip into, partly because we we just don't know. And the other part is we're kind of afraid of these things. We are. And let's face it, demons are nothing to mess with. I can tell you that from experience. It is creepy. It is scary. I had a woman one time who was came over to my house and she wanted prayer. And right away, the Holy Spirit told me there's a demon at work here. Okay. Now I didn't know if it was in her or around her. It doesn't really matter. But I I started praying with her. And the first prayer that I uttered was, I command you in the name of Jesus to reveal yourself. And I kid you not, amazing Larry, I watched her face changed. It was amazing. It went from this soft, lovely, older woman's face to the hardest, most mean, ugly face I've ever seen. There was no rolling on the floor or puking as you see in the movies or any of this stuff. But I saw the face and was like, aha, Holy Spirit, we've flushed out the quail. (laughs) And we said, and I went through the whole thing and upshot it was, in Jesus' name, I command you to come out of that woman. And bam, her face changed. Her demeanor changed. And she said she felt clean and different after that episode. And I'm going, you can't tell me that there are no such things as demons. By the way, I've been in an atmosphere where 
we're praying for somebody and I can feel the air around me change. The atmosphere changes, the feeling changes. It goes from something of, you know, if you want to say warm and fuzzy and loving and immersive, all the godly type things, and it gets so creepy, mm. but Jesus is the authority and he has the power and bam, once those demons reveal themselves, the battle's been won. You just have to fight through it. I have a story similar to that, Truth Barista. It had to do with a young lady who went to Bethel Seminary, got her degrees, and was in a Baptist church. Well, you know, Baptists, generally speaking, I don't want to make a general criticism of Baptists here, but a lot of times they don't talk about demons, the spiritual side, you know. And she had no clue about demons or spirits casting demons out or any of that never was taught that at seminary but her and her husband went over down to south america and they ran an orphanage down there and all of a sudden she was confronted with things that she had not been taught in seminary about and when she came back to the church and gave testimony on a sunday morning she said and i started casting out demons and i thought to myself i went up to her afterwards and i said but you don't believe in this stuff normally in your theology. She goes, that's true. I didn't, but I do now because I was in a culture in a third world country where that was, that was real. And I had to deal with it. There you go. Exactly. You know, that brings up two great points. Number one, you know, down there or in other third world countries, the pagan cultures recognize that there are gods and spirits out there other than the almighty God for, for reaching them. You have to show that Jesus is the ultimate supreme God and all the rest of these gods are just demonic spirits. But up here, because we are rational, you know, it's a perfect camouflage for demonic activity. You know, so when things happen, we think, oh, that's just psychology or they're on drugs or something like that, or they just have behavioral issues. Well, in some cases, that's true. In some cases, it's not. But our rationality has crippled us as far as dealing effectively with demonic issues. In fact, I had just read an article the other day of a man who was a psychologist for years. He was dealing with people psychologically, and some people just wouldn't get better. Then they called in some people who would do exorcisms, and suddenly these psychiatric patients are getting better because it wasn't psychology. Mm. It was demonology. And now he says, as a psychologist, that's part of his ministry. He says, you have to understand what's of the mind. You have to understand that which is of the spirit. And when you can discern the two, he says, I've got the best of both worlds now. I can attack these issues from two sides. And I'm thinking that was brilliant. The other thing, too, I wanted to point out is I once heard the late author, Jamie Buckingham, somebody once asked him, he was one of the leaders in the charismatic movement, move of the Holy Spirit, a lot of healing stuff, demonic stuff. And somebody once asked him, why do we see miracles in the third world countries, but we don't see them in first world Western countries? And right away, he said, because when you see a miracle in a third world country, it invokes faith. It creates faith. You do the same thing over in the West and it creates skepticism. And so he says, people refuse to believe and they refuse that God can do certain things. And Jesus could not do many miracles in the town that he was in because of their unbelief. Their refusal to believe him, in a sense, limited his effect. But where people did believe him, woman, your faith has made you well. You are free from your demonic affliction. Your faith, your trust in me did that. And so... Here's Jesus in the synagogue. He's preaching with authority and power. He's preaching God's word. He is the holiness. He's the holy one of God. And bam, 
a demon instantly reacts and says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So that's what we talked about last week was the Holy One. In other cases, the demon erupts and says, oh, you are the Holy Son of God. Okay, now we're into another aspect about Jesus that demons know some Christians just aren't all that familiar with. So you ready to go? I am. I am. I'm just wondering when you were talking about Jamie Buckingham and his response, I wonder if we aren't conditioning ourselves in the West not to believe. I mean, we analyze everything cognitively, right? Our education is driving our lives in such a way that it doesn't allow for belief. And and faith is belief. You have to believe he is. And in order for that to happen, and for miracles to happen, you have to believe he can do it, right? I just think we're conditioning ourselves right out of, uh, you know, God's will or, or God's ways, you know, in the church. And now we're off on another little quick bunny trail here. <laughs> look at the roots. Look at the roots of Western civilization. The United States came about through the Enlightenment period. It was rational thought. It downplayed the spiritual aspect. Thomas Jefferson, the great man that he was, has a Bible where he cut out all of the miraculous sections from the Bible because it was irrational. Mm. They didn't, they didn't happen. So we have the root of a rational mind here. We need to condition ourselves into the aspect that there is a spiritual realm and spiritual processes. We don't always understand. They seem irrational to us, but we have to be able to accept them and learn how to work with a supernatural rationality if that makes sense. I love what a famous pastor once said. He said, the person with the experience is never at the mercy of the person with the argument. Hmm. Let me say Very, that again. Wow. The person with the experience is never at the mercy of the person with the argument. So somebody can argue with me and tell me that demons don't exist. And I can say, oh, I can see your argument and it's wrong because <laughs> I have experienced them. Yeah. You know, somebody can tell me that right. gravity does not exist, but when I step off the curb and fall on my face, I can say, hmm, I think your argument is wrong. <laughs> I have the blood to prove it. So in a sense, yeah, those of us who have been beaten up in the demonic realm, oh yeah, this is very real. But we, again, we can't go so crazy irrational thinking that there's a demon behind every bush either. Let's just learn and learn to walk in two worlds at the same time, shall we? And speaking of walking in the two worlds, this is exactly what's happening in the synagogue. Jesus is teaching them to their rational minds, God's word in power and authority, and the supernatural erupts. So now you have two kingdoms in play, two realms in play here. So let's talk about this son of God thing. And this is going to go two different directions. So let's start with the first one. Okay, now I'm going to ask you some questions here. When the angel Gabriel talked to Mary, what did he tell Mary was going to happen to him? I know the answer. Hey, it, it's from Luke 135. Uh, from his birth, Yeshua was declared as the Holy One and the Son of God. Isn't that something? Okay, exactly. Yeah. So if you really think of it, going back to the synagogue issue, number one, Jesus is holy. Okay, the demons acknowledge he's holy. Number two, he's the son of God or the holy one of God. Now the demons are two for two. <laughs> See, he can learn something from demons. He's holy and he's God's son. Okay, he's declared the son of God. At his baptism, the father said, you are my son. 
Satan challenged Jesus on what basis? Well, if you really are God's son, and what's the answer? Well, absolutely. Absolutely, he's God's son. And Jesus, as God's obedient son, used his father's word to combat Satan as God's son. Jesus is unlike any other person in creation. He shares his father's holiness in a fleshly container. So remember when we said things like God's holiness makes justice, takes justice to a whole different level. God's holiness takes love to a whole different level. It's a holy love, a holy mercy, a holy... Well, what happens when you have a holy human being? It takes humanity to a whole nother level. It doesn't mean he's any less human, but he, as a human being, he is operating on a human level far above any other human being, but he's still human. So it became increasingly clear in Jesus' ministry, he was no ordinary man. He was more than just a prophet, more than just a mere man. This is God's physical son. He could do all things he did because he was God's son, living as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. As his father's son, amazing Larry, as his father's son, one with the father, Yeshua carried and still does all of his father's authority and power. Jesus could execute his will over demons, over all diseases, over nature, over the traditions of men, and even death itself. That is a humanity under the power of God. Now, God in the flesh has two purposes. One, he's a holy sacrifice that would be sufficient to extinguish sin permanently. Okay, as a sacrifice, God used it to cover over sin if it was an animal sacrifice. But Jesus being a perfect sacrifice could wipe out and erase sin at a human level. Number two, he had to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect stand-in, human for human, so sin could be extinguished in us. It's that simple. This is why Jesus is called the Son of God on that side and the Son of Man, a perfect sacrifice and a perfect substitute. So when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he's still God in the flesh, but now his flesh has been glorified, having removed every effect of sin from his flesh. Now his pure glory shines through it. By the way, that's the kind of body you and I are going to have. When that sin is finally wiped out, affecting our physical body, you and I are going to be like Hans und Franz. We are going to pump you up. Yeah, we're going to have the big muscles and we'll be handsome. Yeah. <laughs> I see you laughing over there. Well, why would you want to be handsome? Who are you trying to attract? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. But, well, we yeah. are all going to be like the, the best specimens we've ever seen. Ooh, oh, but, yeah. But, you know, while we're here on Earth, the best specimens we can be are people who have full cups of coffee. Can you please go pump me up oh. with more caffeine? You know, sometimes I think I've heard everything. And then I came across the High Beam Ministry website. I was blown away. I had no idea how much I could learn about God, the Bible, and life issues from the weekly Truth Barista podcast and Frothy Thoughts blog. Yep, there it was. Riveting discussions, incredible Bible studies, and even a few really dumb jokes. And now, I don't want to miss one podcast or one blog post drop. So, I hit the subscribe button on the webpage. And now, when I get a weekly email notice of a new podcast or blog post, 
I grab a cup of joe and settle down for some scintillating insights. Why don't you do the same? Go to highbeamministry.com. All one word, highbeamministry.com, as in car high beams. Check it out. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Okay, what we're learning from the demons, and we can learn things from demons. Number one, Jesus is holy. And number two, he is God's son. He is God in the flesh. And they recognize that, which is kind of curious to me because... Does the church recognize that? Oh, we say it theologically, but do we really know it? Do we walk in that? Do we respect Jesus? Ah, we'll get to that. That's the biting part of this whole Bible study. We're going to hit it at another time. But listen to what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity about Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. He says this, Among the Jews, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he's always existed. He says he's coming to judge the world at the end of time. Now, let's get this clear. Among pantheists like the Indians, anyone might say that he was a part of God or one with God, and there would be nothing very odd about it. But this man, since he was a Jew, could not mean that kind of God. God in their language meant the being outside the world who made it and was infinitely different from anything else. And when you have grasped that, you will see that what this man Jesus said was, quite simply, the most shocking thing that has ever been uttered by human lips. That's the Son of God. Now, what was the impact on the demons? Oh, it's fun, because the minute Jesus started teaching and preaching, it revealed who he was. Remember, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. As Jesus is teaching, what's being revealed? His authority. What's being revealed? His power. What's being revealed? His holiness. And instantly, bam, the demons knew exactly who Jesus was, the one and only Son of God. And since Jesus and his Father are one, it was traumatic for them to stand in front of Jesus as it would be for them to stand in front of the Father. And the interesting thing about that is he gave that authority to his disciples. I'm always amazed when I read the Gospel of Matthew, especially around chapter 10, where he says this, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So in some ways, Truth Barista, he's saying that demons and casting them out has some relationship with disease and affliction. I mean, that's it says it right there. So I didn't make right. it up. Right. Well, and then in my study and in my experience, disease can just be disease because we live again in these sin-tainted bodies and things go wrong. We age and things wear out. I get that. However, there are afflictions that we can experience that are demonically caused. And I've seen people get spontaneously healed because a demon has been driven out. It's I, I saw a guy who had arthritis and we prayed for him and bam, the arthritis and he couldn't lift his shoulders. And just in one prayer, I mean, it was like a five second prayer, bam, the Holy Spirit hit him and he raised his arms over his head, his shoulders completely free from all arthritis. That was truly amazing. I'm just saying, here's the other thing about the authority thing. Jesus deputized them. You see, a sheriff has all the authority and power in a county to exercise the law. 
So what Jesus has all the authority and power to exercise the law, and what does he do? These first, the 12, and then the 70, he deputizes them. And he goes, you can go in all my authority and power. You can do the exact same thing I can do. Now get out there and arrest those diseases. Arrest, and by the way, arrest means to stop, as in an arrested development, right? A stopped development. He said, now go arrest those diseases and go arrest those demonic activities. And you all throw them boys out of town. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm seeing cowboys riding in with guns, you know, and, and you have a Wild West gunfight and the good guys, the white hats win and all the black hats have to leave. In a sense, they've been deputized. Let me throw a good one at you. If you go to the end of Matthew, Jesus says what? All authority and power has been given to me. Go. Did you hear the implied thing on there? Go. Because authority and power has, has been given unto me, now go. How? Under my authority and power and do the work. Bring people into the kingdom and disciple them. And yes, part of that means how to heal diseases, how to cast out demons, how to confront the work of the enemy. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. He didn't tell demon. He didn't come to tell demons. Just you know, you know, go ahead and stand over there. Just don't touch that person anymore. No, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And demons say, when we get cast out, we get thrown into a waterless place. We don't want to go there. They're going. Let us go into the pigs. So they go into the pigs. The pigs die. And where do the demons go? To the waterless place. Ah. So, <laughs> sucks to be them. <laughs> that that bet didn't work out too well, did it? No. And you know, Paul picks up this theme in First Timothy chapter four, and he talks about our day, or at least the last days, whenever you want to say that begins. Now, the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart. From the faith. Now he's talking about you and I or the church will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. <laughs> I find that so fascinating. I mean, it's not fascinating. It's kind of sad, but it's fascinating because he's dealing with us, the church, deceiving spirits and teachings of demons. So what do you think he's talking about here? What are the teachings of demons? Okay, it could be demons twisting God's word to get people to depart from faith, being faithful to God, such as God is love. He's not a God of judgment. So therefore, you really can do whatever you want because God, you know, love is love. So therefore, since God is love, then you can have a same-sex union. You can have a same-sex marriage. That is a doctrine of demons. And any church that is teaching that is teaching a teaching of demons. Or you can say um, along the lines of, well, uh, you can, yo, oh, you know something? God wants us to have our best life now. So therefore, you can pursue worldly wealth and you can really work yourself to death and you can name it and claim it so that you can become wealthy and satisfy your flesh and satisfy yourself because God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, yeah, in part, but on the other hand, when you take that too far, it becomes a doctrine of demons. So when you say God is love, God is merciful, he's not a God of justice, and you leave the... You're teaching stuff that's gone too far. Plus, you can have people that just flat out create stuff. 
you know, such as a person saying, well, you know, God came to me in a dream. Oh, that's a classic. Here's a classic one. Let me do it. An angel appeared to me and gave me these golden plates, but I can't read this golden plate. And the angel gave me some glasses and I could read the golden plate. And the golden plate revealed to me that Jesus appeared to the Indians in North America and he's planted a new Israel here. And we can all be come like Jesus says, human gods, and we'll be assigned a planet, and our wife will be eternally pregnant, and we will be divine humans populating a planet with spiritual children. Yeah, that's Mormonism. That's the core of Mormonism. And by the way, because that is outside of the Bible, extra biblical, that is, sorry if this steps on your toes. Well, actually, no, I'm not sorry it steps on your toes. That is a doctrine of demons. Mormonism is a doctrine of demons. Jehovah's Witness doctrines, because they've taken the Bible too far, it's moved into the doctrines of demons. If we are approaching the last days, or if we're in the last days, we should expect, according to Paul, an uptick of demonic activity and a perversion of God's word trying to lead people away from God. Okay, Truth Barista, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, look at the world. I mean, I pulled into a a car dealership the other day because I had to have some work done on my car, and the service manager, he went off on me about, oh, we're just crazy world we live in. I can't get texts. I can't get this, and everything's goofy. And he, for 10 minutes, the guy unloaded on me. And I go, you know, even the world knows things are not right. They're just whacked out. And that's a part of what you just said. It's a part of the demonic activity that's made things a little bit difficult for everybody worldwide. Exactly. Now, I have a particular beef in this one. I just, and I'm going to be blunt on this one. I keep hearing politicians in Washington saying, but I'm a devout Catholic. Okay. I wish they would stop with that and stop right there. But they go on to say, I'm a devout Catholic, but I believe a woman has a right to execute the child in the womb by tearing it apart after sticking a needle in its brain and killing it. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry. I, they don't say that. They say, I'm a devout Catholic, and I believe in a woman's right to choose. Hmm. Well, the woman's right to choose phrase is a demonic perversion covering the truth so that they can give themselves an out. At that point, they have to believe one or the other. They're either a devout Catholic that follows the Catholic Church's teachings on the Bible regarding the sanctity of life, or they believe that it is their right to stick a needle in a baby's head, kill its brain, and then dismember it and take it out of a woman's womb and believe that that's the right thing to do. There's no middle ground on this. So whenever I hear President Biden, or I hear Nancy Pelosi, or any other Democrat, Chuck Schumer, whatever, well, Chuck Schumer's Jewish, but any other person say, I am a Bible-believing person, Jewish or Gentile, okay? I'm a Bible-believing person, and they spout that kind of stuff. I kind of half expect them to burst into flame. (laughs) And it's like, Pelosi, shut your face, please, you know? But where's this coming from? They have been demonically clouded, I'm convinced, because they've espoused this for so long and they are so adamant about it. And when you even barely bring God's word to bear 
against that thinking, they go apoplectic. Blood mm. shoots from their eyes and wax squirts from their ears, and they go absolutely bizarre. Yeah, the same kind of reaction I see when I'm dealing with demonically possessed persons. I'm not saying she's demonically possessed or any of them are. I'm just going, your reaction is very similar to a mm. demonic reaction, and you can take it from there. Well, and and yet... Uh, truth barista i think there are some people that are in power that are demonic because of the way that they you know do legislation and the policies that they have it's not godly it's not following after god and uh, it's getting more and more bizarre well we've got to draw our conversation to a conclusion because we've got the lunch crowd coming up and there's so much more that i know you want to get to but it's gonna have to wait till next week i've got one thing to cover this up Okay. To, to kind of complete this. Sure. Okay. The demons know who they're dealing with. This is the son of God who has all of his father's power and authority. They were staring the judge and the jury in the face. And what was their cry? Have you come to judge us? And the answer is a resounding yes. For now, Jesus can push demons around at will. There's coming a time of judgment when all demonic beings will be annihilated. And it will be at the Son of God's hands. This is the Son of God who is going to judge us, the living and the dead. This is the Son of God who will judge and destroy all demons and ultimately Satan himself when the end comes. The demons know he is the Holy One and they know he is the Son of God. The big question is, do we? The world is in turmoil today, but our lives can have peace. If we accent on the turmoil, we will feel its effect. But if we accent on the peace of God in Jesus Christ, we will experience His peace. Turmoil or peace, it's your choice. Thanks for joining us. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.